Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Bikini and the Brain. My name is Adam. I am the Bikini with my lovely co-host, Ashley Kotwalser, who is the Brain. Clearly the Brain. <laughs> I mean, do we even need to <laughs> say it? It's kind of obvious. <laughs> so today's episode, we are going to go into dealing with discouragement. And I think there is a whole lot of that in our in our industry for sure in the world in general in the world in general mm -hmm. yeah i saw a funny um i saw this funny tiktok thing that got posted the other day you know when people do those like comparison um like they'll post someone's tiktok and then they'll like react yeah. to it type of thing and then this this guy was like he's like i need a white girl with a nose ring to tell me what planet is making me sad today <laughs> this, girl, <laughs> this, this girl shows up Astrology. with like a nose ring yeah. and she's like earth Earth is making you sad today. <laughs> and then another girl like reacted to that one with a nose ring. She's like, she's right. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I dated a couple of those girls. <laughs> uh, astrology. But I don't, I don't give into it. Do you not? No, like the astrological signs and stuff. Dude, mine was like the total opposite. Like, you know how it gives a description of who you are and stuff? Yeah. Like, I'm like, that's not me. The heck? <laughs> do you do you fall in? You don't fall into your like zodiac sign at all? No, really? I don't believe in it. It's, they use a whole bunch of vague language. It seems, and uh, it could apply to anybody at any certain time. But mine was really like, no, nah, that's not me. Taryn was Taryn told Aubrey, she's like, you know, he's a Taurus, so he's just more like stern, you know, like. It, I think it, it gives people excuses to act a certain way. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm I'm being. An a-hole. I'm, I'm a Sagittarius or something. Like, it's like, come on. <laughs> come on now. What are you? Sagittarius. You're a Sagittarius. I think I'm on the cusp, though. You're November, I'm yeah. November 22nd. So I think it's, like, right on the very tip of it. Okay. But yeah. I'm a Taurus. So. so whatever the heck that means. I don't know. I, all I know is, I mean, I didn't see anywhere in my description where it said B-A-M-F. And <laughs> I immediately was discredited it. Like, yeah. You don't fall into very many norms which i think is a good thing i think we can go into that this, this episode too like yeah. because you haven't fallen into the discouragement of people oh, and yeah. like fall into the and oh. i think i think that's like one of the big things about the just like people discouraging you is that they kind of discourage you to fall into a societal norm uh -huh. and the more you listen to that discouragement the more you listen to like people's opinions you end up like going into that societal norm and becoming average like Everyone's trying to force you to be average, like because you're if you're doing anything outside of the average is different to them. So then they discourage you to be more like them, which is more average. And then all of a sudden you have most of the people that are average and you live an average life, live an average everything. And you wonder why, because everyone wants everyone has a desire to be above average, but not too many people are willing to break that norm and become more than average, either from discomfort or from falling into the discouragement thing and just listening to what people say you should be. Right. So. I think that you, uh, to be honest, and I'll, I'll give myself that credit today too, I think me and you both have gone our ways and not listened so much to that discouragement stuff. Absolutely. And like became, you know, I think close to our potential, you know? Yeah. So I, I, yeah. at, least we're, at least we're trying. Going you know? against the grain over here. Going against the grain. Yep. Upsetting, upsetting norm folks. The normies. <laughs> so obviously along the way, you've had a ton of discouragement. And um, why don't you give me a couple of examples of that? Because I think a lot of people in, and I think especially in bikini, I think bikini, especially because it's generally like an entry level, their first time competing, they'll get the most discouragement. Your first time you start competing, your first time you start doing this stuff extreme, whether it's your first transformation 
or you're just going, you know, you're just starting this stuff, you get the most amount of discouragement. People are like, why are you doing that? Because you're doing something different now, right? They're right. like, why are you doing that? You don't need to do that for what? A $12 trophy for a glass trophy? Right? You told me that earlier. Yeah. And like they use all these things to kind of make you sound crazy, right? Yeah. And I don't know if you went through so much of that or not. Yeah, I mean, in the beginning when people didn't realize how seriously I took it, you know, uh, you, you do get that. You get the, but why? Like, isn't that like miserable? Like you could be doing this and that would be much more fun or that you should come do that instead or, you know, and kind of make you feel like what you're trying to accomplish is insignificant or it's just like strange or just like, why does it even matter? It's not even important, you know? So I used to get that all the time. Um, every once in a while I'll get like the whole like, but what do you do like for fun though? Or like, are you sure you want to live your life that way? It doesn't seem like there's a lot of uh, happiness or whatever involved with it because you're always prepping, so you must be miserable. You're always training. You can't go out and eat pizza. That must be so miserable. Almost like there's a more-to-life kind of tone to it. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because I'm just like, hey, I'm living the best life out here. Like, I don't care what you think, but I there's – there's sucky parts to everything you do, right? Anything worth having is worth fighting for, and and it's not going to be easy to get, you know, far. It's not going to be coast to the top, right? Um, but, you know, I live a life where I get to, you know, follow my own rules as far as, like, when do I want to compete, where do I want to compete, I can go anywhere at any time, and it's fun for me, and I get all these great opportunities to travel because of competing, and I can see different countries, meet new people, and I think it's funny that people get that impression that I I live this, like, boring, strict life just because I don't go out on the weekends or something. And then you, you got to ask that person. It's like, well, well, what do you do? Like, what, what makes your life so significant? And it, it's like, well, you know, they might work a normal person job. Same thing over and over. Repetition. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, well, why do you think that your life has more excitement than me? I don't understand, like, explain it's it's, so they try to put you down to make you feel like you're an alien basically like uh you're weird and you know i think everyone that's accomplished something great has probably dealt with that too like because again it's not easy it's not easy to get to the top you have to like deal with that stuff but you you gotta go beyond normal you gotta you can't be normal to be one of the best right so it's above average so it's not average just by by definition alone yeah like if you're if you're trying to be the best or trying to even just be your personal best, it's better than you were, which is better than your last average. So you have to break those norms in order to get there. And then it makes people uncomfortable, you know, especially when you're excelling at a very high rate. It's really funny because what I've found too, you know, obviously we're one of the best teams like in the world at this point, you know, and it's it's definitely an honor and it's cool and it's never not something that was like intended, but also like never thought that it would actually happen. But when you start climbing those ranks, the haters come out of everywhere. I don't know of any any coach, not even not one, who is like in that upper group who doesn't have just tons of people just talking, right? Ton of people loving them. Very few people hate them, but the few people that hate them are the loudest people, right? And um, it's the same thing that like, uh, Joe Rogan was talking about Twitter the other day, and he was saying, he said, you know, on Twitter, 90% of the noise is from 10% of the people. And he's like, that's, that's who you get. And so you're going to get 
as you start climbing and as you start getting past your normal comfort zones, as you start not following in that line of the average person, you're going to start getting more and more voices. And, and as Ashley's always said before, she's like, have you, would you imagine, can you imagine some of these like top people spending time on Instagram trolling and like mm. trying to bring people down, you yeah. know, like they don't do that. They don't yeah, successful people don't have the time or desire to just go out of the way to make somebody else feel bad like that, you know? Yeah. I mean, unless you know them at a personal level and you have an, a, like a beef with them or something, yeah. you know, a rivalry or something, that's different. But like to go out of your way to like put down a random stranger, like can you imagine like Oprah doing that or something? <laughs> just being like some random person being yeah. like, your hair is horrible. So frizzy today. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. you, know, you know, can you can you even imagine <laughs> Can you imagine it's, her like it would be it would make news just that alone. You right? know? Like, I mean, why? So you don't see that. So it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because it's like anytime I I'm we all get the comments that are just like like out of pocket and you're just like, what the heck? But it's actually kind of funny when you think about it. You're like, man, this person must live some sort of life. Like, yeah, they, uh, you know, it, it sounds kind of cliche, but they're not not living their best life. They're not too happy. They can't be. I you cannot convince me that a super happy um, person who is confident in themselves and satisfied with their life would go out of their way to put somebody else down that they don't know. Yeah. You can't convince me of that. I'm sorry. No, like, 100%. I just can't picture it. I told, yeah, I told that the other day. Um, I told that the other day to Kimber too. I was like, you know, the, just these people that are online and they're talking and they're just like, there's these, I mean, a lot of them are just these losers that don't do anything with their lives that are just stuck in these message board rooms or whatever. And that's the fun. Like they get a little bit of an excitement by typing something bad. Yeah. And their own little echo chamber of other <laughs> negative people are like, yeah, good one. Like yeah. let me give you a thumbs up on that comment. Like that's the highlight of their day. And it's so, Thanks. it's, and I've, I said, just imagine, just like take a step back, like remove yourself from the, the comment or whatever. Right. And I just talk, cause it was just, this is just happens in our industry period. I'm like, remove yourself from the com from the comment and think about that person. Cause it happens to me. It happens to you. It happens to anyone, anyone who's, talked about at all is talked about negatively it's just part of it mm -hmm. and um I was like just remove yourself from the comment and think of it as like you know not true or whatever and just think about the person writing it like can you imagine <laughs> yeah being that person like I feel bad for, when I see those comments I feel bad for the people yeah because I'm like what kind of life are you living where are you bringing someone down makes your life better yeah right and it's so weird. And it's like, it's to me, it's just so sad. You know, right. it's like, I, I actually feel bad for him. I'm like, I hope one day, not that you're not commenting about me, but that you're just not, you're just living a life where you don't feel like you should be, you, you don't need to be doing that. Like you're doing something better than that, than sitting in these message boards and stuff. Right. And so it's like, you know, and it's just part of it too. It's just part of, and I think that people need to hear these things that, you know, you and I both see it and go through it and have come above it at this point. Right. But I, I don't know if you went through that period where, I mean, I guess you kind of did too. You kind of, well, I don't know if it was around because you you've been very known for a very long time. I don't know. Did you go through a period of like having haters trying to have you fall in line or anything like that? Where it was like, uh, did you have any of that stuff happen? Um, I mean, the whole sometimes I still get it that I compete too much thing, yeah. but I mean, it's like, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think. I mean, as far as like a few examples, I, it's not like I get it every day or anything um but i also want to clarify too and this is just backtrack a little bit it's important to distinguish between helpful criticism and like just putting people down for yeah, no reason for sure. just just want to clarify that because that we're not so sensitive to where it's like oh you know if it's criticism it's clear, clear criticism but like you know yeah. that's okay but anyway um no i i honestly uh, 
just on a few occasions, people put me down, sometimes make me feel like I'm weird that I don't, you know, have two kids by now and, and have a nine to five and, um, I don't know, do other normal people things, <laughs> but I like my life. Honestly, I'm yeah. really satisfied. So it's like, well, if I'm happy, I don't need to fall in line. Yeah. Everyone's happiness is going yeah, to be different. It's everyone's, everything makes certain people like different people get happy for different reasons. Yeah. Everyone's it's, wired differently. You know? Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, so, no, you know, I get, yeah, I get that too or whatever. You know, when you're coaching, everyone's going to have their opinions. Oh, this girl should have been this or this calorie should have been here or whatever he did this. It's like you just get those things as just part of it. But I think it's important to to recognize the reasoning behind it. And, and people, one, they want to, they're not living their best life. So they're saying these things to bring you down and make themselves feel better. And two, it's that whole building a building, the tallest building thing, which I've talked about before. So you have two ways of building the tallest building. One is you work on your building and you keep making it taller and taller. And all you do is focus on your building. That's what I do. The other is you try to destroy every building around you and you keep yours the same size. And then by default, yours ends up being the tallest. That's the route a lot of people travel. And that's a discouragement route, right? You're getting better than me. Your abs are starting to become better than me. You're, maybe your boyfriend is, is a little bit scared because you're getting, you know, you're becoming more you're, be, you're becoming more fit, more wearing sports bras at the gym now, things like that. And they're like, oh, now my, you know, instead of like helping you, he's saying you're getting farther. He's afraid of losing you, right? So they bring you down. Oh, why? Well, you don't need to be doing that. You don't need to be doing this, right? So people are going to discourage you along the way. And you guys need to recognize it when it's happening and recognize where it's coming from. And it usually comes from, I mean, 90% of the time is coming from people's low self-confidence or from them seeing you grow and like just subconsciously not wanting you to be better than them. I find it to be very, very common that when you're not on top, everyone wants you to be on top. When you're not on top, everyone wants you to be on top. They're like, oh, yeah, you're going to do it. You're going to do it one day. You'll get there. And then, no, you keep going. You keep going. As soon as you get on top, it's like, oh, well, he got on top because whoever, like his dad is this, his whatever is yeah. this, his dad's that. Oh, he's just, you know, it's so funny. It is. Like the, the stuff that people say now, you know. Yeah, like, there's there's definitely advantages to being the underdog, that's for sure. Yeah. Everyone like cheers for you and stuff, but then at a certain point, it's like once you get to that level and you get good <laughs> and stuff, then it's like, okay, time for somebody else or whatever, you know what I mean? It's just like... I don't know if it's just like a natural human instinct to like just just to because people are climbing and they're just not happy for them or whatnot. But I don't know. I love seeing people climb for different reasons. Um, Personally, I love seeing people climb because it shows me what is capable. So when I see and I always use Elon Musk and Joe Rogan, um, you know, Patrick Bitt David, like these guys that are just growing so fast and so rapidly because it shows me what I'm not doing. And it makes me feel <laughs> like I need to be doing more. Um, you know, I got, a, I got a client too. He owns Bernhardt Furniture. And he's like, he's older than me. He's got a family. He's always got abs. He works really hard. He's got 500 employees. And I'm like, man, he's in better shape than me. He's older than me. He's like, I got no excuse. <laughs> he runs a huge company, way more employees than I have. Like every, I'm like, I should be doing, and he has a family and he does a very good job of it. Like balancing his going on vacations and all this stuff. I'm like, he's doing it better than me. And so like you see people, and instead of hating on them, being like, oh, yeah, well, whatever reason, right? I'm like, okay, I could do more. I'm capable of more because I see that. When I see Elon Musk or Joe Rogan and, and I'm like, like, Ash will be like, oh, maybe I'm, I'm traveling this week. We should do two podcasts in a week. I'm like, oh, the two podcasts really drain. And then I see Joe Rogan doing like five, three-hour podcasts. Plus, he'll do a comedy thing three nights a week. Plus, he'll do a fighting podcast a couple times a week. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm just not living up to my potential, right? Like, there's just... And I, so I like seeing it because it shows me, it exposes to me what I should be doing or could be doing 
um, at a higher level. And I think that you do that too. And it makes people uncomfortable, especially in, in, in our sport, because how you do things, you go against like what people have been taught. They're like, Oh, I can only do one show, two shows a year. Cause I can't maintain that type of shape. And you like slap them in the face with like, Nope, I can do 14 shows in a year. And I'm still perfectly fine. You're eating now you're in the, a mini break and you're eating 1900 calories or so. And you're, you're doing great with that. And people are like, well, that shouldn't be possible, but is it that it shouldn't be possible? Or is it that you're uncomfortable seeing it because she's able to stick on plan all year and it makes you doubt that you're doing enough. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and that's, I think where a lot of the discouragement comes from. I think where a lot of the hate comes from is that, I mean, yeah. not only the, do you win, um, and you know, I think people obviously they, they get upset because you're, so all, you know, quote unquote, take Olympia spots when there's like still 40 spots remaining, <laughs> even if you win like eight shows, <laughs> but they, they also see that of it. It makes them question their own, am I doing enough in them? Mm-hmm. Right. And I, that's what I'm all about too. And you're all about that too. Like the human yeah. spirit, the warrior within you, like bringing it out, you know? I like, I, I, one of my other, um, well, let me just say this, you know, my quote that I've been saying for few years now I'm just getting started you know how I used to say that all the time yeah still my number one quote at the time but also I'm I like to say this as well do all the crazy things like try at least try and see what you're capable of and you might surprise yourself like I have all these crazy ideas I want to do like just to challenge myself like man what would happen if I did like a marathon like the day after a show or something hmm I wonder what that would be like like I have these things that just I just want to try it. I, I'm like, watch me, just watch me. I'm gonna do it. Watch me, you know, like things like that. I have these silly little goals for myself, but I think it's nice. I think it's good to to show yourself and other people what's capable if you just say, "No, nah, I'm gonna do it." Yeah. Do all the crazy things. No, I uh, do two shows in one weekend. Do all the crazy things. Yeah, it's funny um, how we balance each other out, but in different ways on that stuff too. Cause that's, that's where I want to do with us now too, with like, with our team is like, I've kind of talked about it many times. I don't really take a, you know, big income or anything from the team or anything like that. It just kind of stays with the team. But the next thing I want to do is I, I'm going to figure out a way to do it. I just haven't figured out. We got turned down on our, our, our other one, but I want to turn out and figure out a way to do it where we do this like nonprofit through the team and make this whole big fitness facility where it's like not just fitness facility, but it's, everything's there, you know, everything's there, helps kids for diets, helps all this stuff, and, like, make this huge Disneyland of fitness one day where, like, everyone can come. I don't know. I want to do that, and then, like, it's, it's just a matter of time. I'm going to do it. It's just a matter of time. So, um, that yeah, so it's, like, how crazy can we get? You know, how crazy? <laughs> do all the crazy things. All the crazy things, yeah. So how, how big, how fun can it get? How crazy can it get? That's, yeah. uh, that's something that I definitely want to do, too. But I think when we talk about, you know, discouragement, um, I want to go into just a couple examples that we have here pulled up, which are, uh, they're just, you know, again, I'm a big, uh, I'm big into boxing. I, I don't know why. Well, <laughs> I'm going to try to find it. All right. So there we go. Okay. So I'm going to go into just a, these, these couple scenarios here that, um, we pulled up and you're going to be like, why do you guys have like boxing gloves? on the I just grew up boxing, like with boxing. Like it's just in my neighborhood. It's just kind of like a thing. I, you know, when you, we grew up in kind of a low income Hispanic neighborhood and there's just like a free boxing community gym and everyone went there to like, you know, do stuff. And we, you learn how to use kind of how it was. And, um, 
So we had like, you know, your childhood, you had like idols and, and whatnot. And then there's just a couple of really cool stories. Um, and I'm going to, for you guys that are listening to Instagram live, I'm going to put this on here and um, we could play, you know, what I could do is we could play it, play it later, put it in there. Yeah. Um, but this is, this is Muhammad Ali, who, if you guys ever watch like any UFC stuff, um, he was the original guy that like really created the the hype going into a show and the cool things he would say going into a going into a fight. Um, you know, Conor McGregor really had nothing on Muhammad Ali. Um, but let's go ahead and play this. Now, this is important. It says, this is Muhammad Ali before he fought George Foreman, right? And everyone was discouraging Muhammad Ali. And this is a perfect example. Everyone was discouraging Muhammad Ali. They were, he was a seven to one underdog, which means if you guys don't know what that means, it means that like odds makers in Vegas and whatnot were giving you $700 for every $100 you bet if you picked Muhammad Ali. That's how much of an underdog it was. And at that time, for a heavyweight championship fight, that was the biggest uh, underdog like score or biggest underdog um, difference you could, there was. The seven to one was like unheard of. No one had seven to one back then. It would usually it'd be like 1.5 to one. So you'd win $150 for every $100 you bet. For him, it was $700 for every $100 you bet if he were to win the fight. That's how big of an underdog he was. And I just want you guys to hear him, not just his his swagger, which was awesome, right? <laughs> Ashley loves his swagger. Love but it. the confidence you have. You imagine fighting someone when everyone is telling you you're going to lose. Everyone. Not even are everyone telling you to lose, but they're betting against you. Odds are against you seven to one. No, one, no odds have ever been this great. And this is the type of confidence this guy had. Nothing was breaking this guy going into this fight everybody and no one can whoop him that's when that little Cassius Clay from Louisville Kentucky came up and stopped Sonny Liston the man who annihilated Floyd Patterson twice he was going to kill me but he hit harder than George his reach was longer than George he's a better boxer than George and I'm better now than I was when you saw that 22 year old undeveloped kid running from Sonny Liston I'm experienced now professional jaw's been broke been lost, knocked down a couple of times bad been chopping trees. I done something new for this fight. I done wrestled with an alligator. That's right. I have wrestled with an alligator. I done tussled with a whale. I done handcuffed lightning, throw thunder in jail. That's bad. Only last week, I murdered a rock, injured a stone, hospitalized a brick. I'm so mean, I make medicine sick. Bad dude. Bad. Fast. 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 Last night, I cut the light off my bedroom, hit the switch, was in the bed before the room was dark. Incredible. Fast. Incredible. And you, George Fullman, all of you chumps are going to bow when I whoop him. All of you. I know you got him. I know you got him picked. But the man's in trouble. I'm going to show you how great I am. The, if you guys have ever heard that, I'm going to show you how great I am. Um, it, it's just so, it's a powerful thing, and no one ever really kind of knows where it comes from. You see it on shirts, you see it, like, you see pictures of Muhammad Ali, you hear about him, but no one really knows, like, what he stood for and how he fought, not just for, not just for boxing, but as a man, he was just a good man, you know? Um, you, there's, like, there's, like, videos of him, like, uh, tapes of him talking to his daughter and, like, how motivating he was to her and, like, how, he's just a good, he's just a good person, period. And, um, but that was just, when I, he was before my time growing up, but I just studied, you know, studied greatness. I studied boxing and fighting and coaches and techniques and things like that and it was just I always just really had this thing from Muhammad Ali I got to I got to see him one time 
uh, before he passed away. It was really great. Uh, ended up in a room with him at a at a fight, which was really cool. He was already kind of shaky, but it was really cool. It was like he walked into the stadium. I was in. A, they put us into this room. Everyone was there. Arnold Schwarzenegger was there. Mike Tyson was there. Muhammad Ali was there. Rocky was there. Uh, Sylvester Stallone, I guess. <laughs> it was before this big fight. We had some. Uh, we, we got lucky at the Staples Center in this like private room. <clears throat> anyway, he was there, and uh, he walked into the to the stadium at the Staples Center. And there's like, I don't know, 30,000. I don't know how many people are in there, 50,000. Who knows? And uh, he walked in down the row. But it wasn't anything. It was just like regular, regular walking down the row. And um, uh, everyone saw him. So they were like, they started, they're like, Ali, right? And so everyone started chanting, Ali, Ali. And um, he, uh, he put his hand up like this. And then the whole stadium started chanting, Ali, Ali. And it was like the coolest thing I've ever seen. And like, he was like shaking. He was like shaking his, his hand because he was like, you know, going through uh, what he was doing. And then uh, shortly after that, he passed away, but it was cool to see like the, everyone still like just loved the guy. Oh, we're talking about, we saw, I saw Muhammad Ali before he passed away. It was really cool at the Staples center and the whole, the whole stadium went nuts for him. He had his hand up and he was like shaky. And then he passed away shortly after that. He's one of my heroes growing up. Um, and so the, but the, the point of the Muhammad Ali video and the point of it was going into a fight, one of the biggest fights in the world, being an underdog, the greatest underdog you can be, but still having that self-belief just shows that he didn't let any of these people, any of the news, any of the media, they didn't have Instagram back then, but could you imagine Instagram and Twitter lighting him up? They wouldn't even, they'd be saying, oh, don't even watch his fight. It's not worth it. No, 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 right? Like all these things. But he had the the belief in himself. Like he didn't let discouragement get to him. He had that self-belief, you know? And, um, you know, George Foreman, he was a beast, you know? He just, he's, he just, he made fun of George Foreman. He said he hit like a mummy. He said he was so slow. <laughs> it's like a mummy. Like, it was, like he just like made fun of it. And it was just the, the amount of just self-confidence. Like when I see something like that is like, I used to look at it and I'm like, man, I, w- I wish I could ha- believe in myself that much. Like, I'm going to show you how great I am. Right. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? Because who would even, who even says that now? Who even says you don't, and you're awesome. No, You're the greatest bikini competitor there ever has been, and you don't say things like <laughs> no, that. No, I don't. But you know what I mean? The, the, the belief, like, if we had someone like that today, these days, right, to say that, like, we have different different approaches of it now, but it's just cool to see. It's a it's cool to see because it, I think he needed that. I think he needed to, to convince himself that. Because if you believed everyone, if you started giving in to the people saying, oh, yeah, maybe I shouldn't be competing. Maybe this is too much. Maybe I am. Maybe my structure isn't as good. Like, because you're going to hear those things. You're going to hear your waist is too blocky, your this is too that, your whatever is too this, you know? Like, if you start believing it, it's going to happen, you know? And um, this is a perfect example. Muhammad Ali was a huge underdog, the biggest at that time ever. I don't know. It gives me chills still, but maybe it's just me. Does it affect me? No, I think it's really cool, and I love his speech. It's so, like... So much swagger. It is. It's like like I was talking to you earlier. People don't talk like that anymore, like, as far as, as like, it's almost poetic in a way. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's like poetry. So I have, I'm going to give another example here of just self-belief and, um, and like what you can accomplish with that self-belief. And again, yes, another, another boxing one. Now this one is one of the, so this is the, the, this, I think the second greatest fight of all time under upset of all time behind David and Goliath, right? Like besides that one, this is it, right? This is bigger than anything there ever was, and it, it just completely changed the the whole boxing world right after this. So this is, if you guys don't know the story of Buster Douglas and Mike Tyson, I actually have these in my office. That's what this is. This is uh, this is Buster Douglas's signed glove. 
And this is Mike Tyson's sign glove. As you guys know, Mike Tyson's my my favorite of all time. Muhammad Ali would be a close second. But um, mm-hmm. the story, this is it's a lot. There's so many different things we can grab from this story of Mike Tyson versus Buster Douglas and apply it to like the contest prep world. Um, so as we talked earlier, Muhammad Ali was a seven to one underdog to George Foreman. Take a guess at what Buster Douglas's odds were against Mike Tyson. Take a guess. I want to guess forty-two to one. I told you. <laughs> yeah, I told you. Yeah, right before <laughs> yeah, we went I on. Like, okay. I was like, wait a minute. How did you come up with right this? Right before crazy we went on. I think <laughs> okay, you mentioned like, it dang. like a few times. <laughs> 40, so 42 to 1. So it means that if you bet $100 on Buster Douglas to win, you would have won $4,200. That's crazy, right? Someone got rich off of that one. Yeah, you had 1000 bucks to spare. Like, okay, I'm probably just losing this 1000 bucks, but you'd make forty-two grand if he, if he were to, to beat. Mike Tyson, which is basically they're saying there's just zero chance, like less than nothing. Like you wouldn't even, and the reason is they want to discourage people from betting on Mike Tyson because they would give you uh, 42 cents for every dollar you bet. So you would make like nothing on it. Like you wouldn't want to risk that much money for it, right? So um, pretty, pretty, they're basically discouraging everyone from betting on it. So anyway, but this is, this is a cool story because again, it goes into self-belief. And um, this is just an interview that he did pre-fight, and it just shows you, like, overcoming um, obstacles, which maybe it's you're discouraging someone in your family, discouraging you. Maybe it's something in life that happened. Maybe, I don't know what it could be, but everyone's going through their thing. No one has a perfect a perfect career where something doesn't happen, you know? And um, going into this interview with Buster Douglas and, and Mike Tyson, Buster Douglas never thought he wouldn't win this fight, which is... Cra- this is even crazier than Muhammad Ali. This is, it's not, because it, it's a lot different of, of a scenario too, because Muhammad Ali was, he was still trying to prove himself. He wasn't like beat up a few times already yet, right? This guy's been beat up a few times already, right? You've been knocked down. Maybe it's you. Maybe you lost a competition. Maybe you, a girl that you beat before beat you this next time and it really knocks you out. You're like, man, that girl passed me now, right? Um, but the, the amount of self-belief that you would need to have to fight Mike Tyson. And at this time, and I know this is crazy because it's not really our sport, but Mike Tyson at this time had 10, 10 title defenses at this time, 10 title defenses. And not just title defenses, but people were afraid of fighting him because he would beat them in such bad fashion that he would end careers. Like he was just a killer. He was a lord of war. It wasn't like fighting a regular guy. He was the most intimidating guy. It just... It was just, it's just scary to fight him. Everyone was talking about him. This guy just beat up everyone by knockout, by brutal knockout. And the way he talked and the way he acted is just scary, right? Everyone's just afraid of this, this animal of a boxer Mike Tyson became. And even him, he said himself, he was like, he said, he, you know, he studied war and he was, uh, if you listen to his podcast, he's like, I studied war. That's all I studied. I didn't go to school. I just studied gods of war. I studied Achilles and all these guys. He's like, because I wanted to be, that's all I wanted to be was a god of war. And uh, he's like, now I'm, I'm afraid of that guy coming back because then hell's coming with him. You know, like he just has, it's like, gosh, it's terrifying. Right? It's like a terrifying thing. It's like releasing an, a lion against you. Anyway, so Buster Douglas goes into this fight and his mom comes into the room one day and she says, like, bef- his mom comes in before the fight. She says, I don't want you to fight Mike Tyson. I'm afraid of him. I'm afraid of him basically killing you. And he said, mom, I'm going to beat Mike Tyson. What do you think? What do you I'm going to beat Mike Tyson. I'm going to be champion of the world. I'm going to be champion of the world for you, right? And his mom's like, all right. So she goes off and she tells her friends that the, the hair salon and stuff, he's going to beat Mike. And everyone's like, yeah, I hope he has his head on after this fight. 42 to 1. And uh, 
what happens before the fight? 23 days before the fight happens, his mom dies, right? 23 days before the fight happens, his mom dies. And then he doesn't pull out of the fight. His coach said, hey, we should just pull out. Your head's not there. There's no way. And he says, no, I'm, I told my mom I'm going to win this fight for her. I already told her that. I have to live up to that, right? So what happens, right? All the discouragement in the world is around this guy. I mean, so much discouragement, more than any of us will ever deal with and more than than worse situation than probably any of us will ever deal with. Your mom died. You're 42 to 1 underdog. 23 days before the fight, your coach is telling you to pull out. All the press, everyone in the world just saying, oh, it's just a setup fight so he, so Mike Tyson can fight Lennox Lewis, right? That's what it was. It was like, if he beats him, he fights Lennox, right? And so it was, there was no point of this even happening, right? It was just like, or was it Vander Holyfield? And so uh, it, it was like the, all this girls in the world, he's, but, but what happened was his why was greater than his how, right? And when your why becomes greater than your how, then you can accomplish anything. There's, not amount of, there's no amount of discouragement that's going to get you to not believe that you can do these things. And you just got to find what that is for you, right? You got to find, okay, what is going to overpower me from this how? Because if, if, as soon as you can figure out that why, the how doesn't matter, right? So this is him pre-fight and they're talking about him and his mom dying and like right before the fight and it's just it's just pretty cool it's pretty powerful stuff because i think a lot of you are going to go through stuff throughout this prep there's a lot of discouragement a lot of people talking a lot of people talking on instagram and message boards and troll accounts and all these things right and and we're like oh i'm just you know when you think about it you're like i'm just getting on stage this guy's fighting a lion <laughs> you know like and he, like he has every reason to not fight him every reason no one's going to get mad at him if he pulls out of the fight oh his mom died. you know no one's gonna he's, every excuse in the world is just fine right and uh People now say Douglas has less chance than ever to win this fight. It's easy to be negative. I mean, it's easy to give up, say to, you know, to hell with it. But to be positive and be strong and have the faith, it takes a lot, you know. And, and I think that by becoming a heavyweight champion, that I would be able to, you know, show the, the youth here uh, that, you know, it's possible to fulfill your dreams. Tonight, Buster Douglas attempts to live out his dream, a dream which sons of boxers everywhere have shared in common, to be called undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. And as if the death of his mother were not enough, in recent days, Buster Douglas has learned of yet another misfortune for one close to him, the mother of his 11-year-old son, has been found to be afflicted by a severe kidney ailment, which people in the Douglas camp say could eventually threaten her life as well. So, I mean, talk about, talk about a run going into a fight or a show, anything amount of uh, stopping you. You know, I mean, so many reasons to stop in that scenario. And this guy just says, no, nah, I'm going to win this for my mom. I already, already promised her. Yeah, his, now his wife is potentially dying too. And he beats Mike Tyson and shocks the world. It's crazy. It's a crazy, crazy story. Um, the whole—I mean, the world went wild when this happened, right? It was just the world went wild. It's one of the greatest stories of, of all time, um, and and not just not just that, but it shows it shows a couple things. One, un, never underestimate your opponent. Don't don't not prepare for a prepare for a show going 100 percent. Because Mike Tyson talked about that fight too. He said, you know, I didn't prepare the way I usually prepare. I just thought I'd be running over people because that's what all I was doing, you know. And, um, and it just shows, like, so many different things we can learn from that story when related to prep uh, that I just really love that story. That's why I have the gloves in the office because it reminds me every day, like, you know, never just because, like, the Mike Tyson scenario, just because you're on top, don't ever think that that's just going to be a given. Like, you're always going to have to try because there's always a Buster Douglas one to knock you out, you know? Mm -hmm. 
And that's just, that's just the way life is. You know, yeah. you got to being on top. Like you, you know, better than anyone, right? Being on top is the, is the hard, lonely place oh, yeah. with a lot of pressure. Yes. Burden of expectation for sure. That's like, I always say that's the only disadvantage of like winning is like the next year or anything following that you have this expectation from everyone, including yourself that you got to win. I mean, you won last time, so you no longer have the advantage of being an underdog. You are expected to win, and anything less than that is a loss, even if it's second place at the biggest show in the world or something, right? It would still be considered a loss by many people's eyes and maybe your own, too, because it's not as good as it was previously, which was a win, right? Yeah. The burden of expectation. Yeah. And that's a discour- discouraging in its own regard, right? You can't it even is. celebrate the seconds, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it puts a damper on it, you know? Yeah. Whereas if you were climbing up the ranks, then second would be like, oh, wow. Yeah. But it's, it doesn't have the same sparkle whenever you've already won and then you don't win. So it's like, ah, you know. Yeah. So going over like a few of the discouraging things that you're going to get along the way. So what are some of the other ones that you've gotten or heard from your clients and whatnot too? You know, I, well, for my own self, like, honestly, I've been very lucky not to have too much discouragement come my way. Either that or I just block it out. Like, I'm really good at just, like, whatever kind of thing. So maybe it never stuck with me or I remembered it. I kind of, like, I kind of do my own thing, you know, kind of just focus on myself. So discouragement maybe got to me earlier in my prep days, but it doesn't get to me as much anymore. So I probably just brush it off. Yeah. Um, how about yourself? Yeah, you get it. You get it a lot. Um, when, when you're a, when you're a coach, I think people will, you'll get it probably, probably more because you have a lot of coaches who are just getting started. You know, they did a show and then they'll look at like the bigger teams and be like, Oh, well they just do whatever. They'll know nothing about your team. They'll be like, Oh, well they just do templates. I saw this one the other day. It was like, they're like, Oh, Adam's the only coach. And like some girl named Tori. And I'm like, I'm like, every coach sends a video response. Like, you know specifically who it is because everyone's sending a video. Like, it's on video. <laughs> like, 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 oh, they have, like, templates or whatever. And I'm like, we, I, like, look at my system. We have, like, 13,000 different plans at this point. Like, because we add so much every day from having years and years of clients. So, like, you you just hear, you just see stuff that, even, that isn't even true. Yeah. And people are just trying to bring you down because right. they're like, you know, because there's always the, there's always the argument for each side. You're like, oh, well, I'm small, so I don't have any regular coaches so you get more of this whatever right and i'm like oh well, we're big so we have more experience right but the people who are are trying to come up i don't know what the reasoning of it is but they always think that if they can like bash one of the bigger teams that it'll make them like get more clients or something or like it's some competition that we have which is funny because all the big coaches i talk to all the time i text them all the time like it's like like if we talk about you talked about the other day you're like you know we want we want criticism. That's good criticism. Yeah. I seek it out. I talk to my friends that are coaching people. I tell them, congratulations. You know, if I don't win it, I hope you do. Like, it's like a, it's funny because we don't even compete, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, it, it's, but it's the, it's the smaller people that are coming up. will try to bash you to make them make you, I don't know if they feel like it makes them get more clients or they'll tell their, they'll put the word out and that client might not sign up with them. it makes them look better because it's like a scapegoat, right? Yeah. Making excuses from themselves. Like it would be the equivalent to, um, saying one athlete, oh, it's because of genetics. They could, they could say the same thing for coaching. Oh, it's because of this and this or templates or something. It's yeah. a scapegoat, like an excuse. And it, it's embarrassing for them, honestly. Yeah. It's like, God, just keep that to yourself, man. Yeah. 
No one ever got successful by bringing anyone else down. Yeah. Like that's, not, that's not how success works in general. But no, you get it. You get it. Of course you get it. Um, and, and it's just, you know, when you, the more you, the more known you get, the more you're going to, the more hate you're going to get, which is, I, it's funny. I've, I've dealt with it for so long though, at this point, I mean, gosh, years and years now, especially being known. I'm almost 10 years on YouTube. Uh, December. That's cool. Ah. <laughs> I said Arthur, one of my first videos the other day was so funny. And um, <laughs> it's hilarious. It's so bad. And um, the, this is the amount of, you know, when you start basically going on YouTube and putting yourself out there, you're essentially asking for attention. I mean, really, let's just call it what it is, right? You're saying, hey, look at me. And you're going to get some negative with that positive. And it just becomes kind of part of it. But what I've always said at a certain point when I got, well, first it used to bother me a lot. And now I say, Hey, it's when they're not talking about me is when I really have the problem, you know, because when I'm irrelevant to the point where no one even cares, <laughs> that's when the real problem starts. Right. So yeah, let the, let the minority 2% say they're negative and the 98% like me. I'm cool with that. Let them mm -hmm. keep talking, right? Because as soon as they stop, <laughs> then, yeah. then you really got a problem, right? Then you're exactly. insignificant. You're, you're not irrelevant. important. You're, you're irrelevant. That's, that's, that's the, the word. You don't want to be that. <laughs> I'd rather have the negative than nothing. Yeah. So yeah. So, uh, but yeah, but as soon as you, I think it, it's hard for people at first to go through that though. Cause it's tough, you know, especially friends and family, like the, the their, their words have weight, you know, to you, but yeah, you've been, you've been very fortunate. I do talk to a lot of girls who maybe their like family doesn't understand the sport and they'll be like, well, you're just, you know, shaking your butt on stage in a <laughs> sparkly thong. Right. And like, and I'm like, no, there's so much that is not even like, what are you thinking that's going on at these shows? Yeah. You know? But, and they try to explain it, but the, the parents, maybe they're, you know, they're super, you know, old school or whatever. And they just don't see like the, the sport of it, of what really goes into it. And that's just the final product. That's not the life, you know? And, um, the, you know, so you get that discouragement and parents telling you, oh, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. How much money are you making when you do this stuff? Like, what? oh, you're not, you're paying to do it. Why would you do that? Like, why would you suffer through this? I want to have Thanksgiving dinner with you. I want you to go on vacation. Like that's, those are the, the common ones that people have. And um, it's, I think it does take a lot of either a strong person to just stand up to them once or a, um, or a strong minded person to just kind of ignore it. Right. And those are two things that people have a hard time doing both. And True. yeah, so True. you get that. There's a lot of that. And then, um, you know, the, just the lifestyle in general is hard for a lot of people to understand, you know, so you get a lot of negative on that, especially with the boyfriends. When you're, when your boyfriend's not really into it, he just kind of maybe casually lifts and then you're going all out and then you're eating all out and you're not able to go to the dinners and stuff like that, even though you can, um, usually he thinks of the inconvenience, the inconvenience to him is so much that he's going to kind of try to keep you from doing it. That's a big one. Yeah. Yep. You definitely have to have a thick skin, you know, at some point, whatever you do in life, even if it's, this could be applied to anything that you want to be great at. You got to have thick skin because these things are going to come about, you know. I've always kind of been kind of like more of a loner or at least do my own thing kind of person, you know. Do they call those free thinkers or something? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Well, <laughs> I will say this. In high school, like I sat alone in the cafeteria. I didn't care. You know what I cared about? Track meets on the weekend. Heck yeah. Yeah. And winning, that would, best feeling. And then on Monday morning when they gave the announcements and they said, Ashley won first place in the 100-meter hurdles and long jump, I'd be like, yes. <laughs> yes. I didn't care. Like, I was just doing my own thing, you yeah. know? So it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's helped me along the way, just not really caring what other people think, just doing what I feel is best for myself, no matter if they have something nice to say or something 
that's um, negative. So, you know, thick skin can go a long way. Yeah, they say uh, skin like a rhino, feathers like a duck. Right. So thick I don't skin get the duck part. The duck part is um, anything that like like water just rolls off the oh, feathers of a duck. Oh, it's resilient. Yeah. So it's like, you know, any comments people say just resistant. rolls right off you. Yeah, yeah water resistant. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, that's what happens when I take a shower, too. <laughs> Never really, never soaks in. It <laughs> just rolls off. <laughs> that was dumb. <laughs> Except when you're in Florida, that humidity soaks in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, going further in the topic, anything, anything else that you wanted to cover here? And this, uh, no, I think we've hit all the good points. Unless one of our amazing viewers has a question for us. Yeah, you guys have any questions about any of the discouragement topic? We're happy to. Go into it for you that are listening on the podcast. We do these Instagram lives on Mondays, um, almost every Monday. Almost every Monday. Almost every Monday. It's very rare we had one. I had a I had a, a bad week last week, and so I wasn't in on Monday for a podcast. I wasn't able to do podcast last week. Yeah, and my lazy eye was extra lazy. Was it extra lazy? It, it was, was so lazy. Very lazy. It didn't come to work. Didn't I didn't <laughs> want it open. No, just kidding. <laughs> Your eye's been doing pretty decent though. Uh, no, it's, I think it's getting worse. I just don't like to complain about it because I hate pity. Yeah. I hate, oh, God, that makes me so uncomfortable, people feeling bad for me. It's like, the, I don't get the victim mindset. Some some people love, like, people feeling bad. I hate it. I hate it. It makes me so uncomfortable. So I try not to complain. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I see double pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, guys, I guess with that, there's this, this one's not too many questions, which I imagine that would be pretty, pretty standard. Uh, there's no question on this one. So thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time.